By the man, the myth, the legend, Morgan Frost's best friend, Dan Silver. Dan, what's up, bud? What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, my God, yes. Morgan Frost, you know, I, I used to be best friends with Felix Sandstrom's dad, but Sandstrom hasn't been playing much this season. He finally got back to action, so, uh, you know, maybe his dad will start uh, messaging me on Twitter again. But, uh, but yeah, no, things are, uh, I don't know, man, things are things are all right we're excited about the eagles i just this flyers team is just so frustrating but you know i've i've been the most optimistic i've been about this team over the last two weeks and then they come out and do what they did against the rangers so i just i don't know man i don't know the two biggest division rivals that they've had probably through their existence as a franchise the rangers and the penguins and it's like they bookended that good stretch of hockey with like five to one losses against both teams. The one against the Penguins, obviously at home, the Rangers last night on the road in the shithole that is Madison Square Garden. This is a hard ass team to figure out because one week they'll play like the best hockey you've seen them play in three years. And then they'll put together a game like last night five to one against a division opponent opponent division rival a game like those are the games you need to have we all know this is a fringe playoff team we all know that they're on a bubble as it is so if you're gonna have a hope and a prayer if you're gonna make a strong push to the playoffs it's those games against those division opponents that weigh so heavily and they keep coming out and shitting the bed against these teams, and I can't really figure out why. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the quote from Haxtell after the Rangers game was they just didn't have their skating legs. Oh, How nice. do you not have your skating legs in a game <laughs> like that? I mean, it is – I've been the most optimistic I've been about this team leading up to that Rangers game, and it's – the, the 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 point structure in the NHL is enough to give you an aneurysm because you're unless you're a fan of like the Coyotes or the you know or the Sabers or the Senators, it's like your team is always in it, and right. obviously they're not going to win every game, and it, it's so close that you go into this game with the Rangers and you're literally one point behind them, and it's a huge swing game, and you get blown out. It's ridiculous. And, uh, and, you know, to be honest, there's, there's now there's three points behind them. Okay, whatever. But it's just – you just wish they'd come out a little better um, and play a little better against – I mean, they came out all right in the game, actually. They scored their early goal from Jordan Wheel, but then they just kind of fell apart. Some defensive mistakes from uh, – uh, in Dave Haxtell's mind, Norris Trophy candidate, Brandon Manning, made a couple <laughs> mistakes. Uh, and then, you know, Jake Voracek – tried to awful um, turnover tried to go through everyone on the rangers team i like i don't mind the mistake from voracek he, he, he's gonna do that i mean he's the guy who his bread and butter is skating the puck through the neutral zone but uh but brandon manning let's not let these guys get behind you left and right and um and brian elliott looked a little tired like it's hard to fault him for not stopping breakaways right but right. but still he he didn't look great Last night, Brian Elliott. So, Neuvers going to be in net on Thursday night, and um, they're going to have to play Neuvers a little more often the rest of the season. So, it's just an aggravating team, man. It's, um, but I'm still, I'm still optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as the goalies go, we've talked about this before, where Haxtell finds his guy, sticks with his guy, and rides him into the ground. Look. Brian Elliott is no spring chicken. He's not 
the youngest guy on the block. He has a lot of tough miles because pretty much every other stop he was at, for a large period of time, he was the guy, and he had some playoff runs, and playoff runs take it out of you, even especially if you're a goalie. But, yeah, I see these people that are on Twitter, on the radio, and, you know, they, they get mad at people that are frustrated with this team after a game like that against the Rangers. You know, they say things like, you know, it's almost like you forgot that they won four games in a row before that. Well, no, the thing is, I wouldn't mind a loss had it been like a three, even if it was like 3-1, 3-2. You know, if they lost, they lost. You're going to lose games. You're not going to win every game. No shit. That's the nature of sports. But it's the nature in which that they lose some of these games that it can't help you regress back and think, well, maybe this is the team that they really are. Because they come out more times than not when they lose these games, and it's not a pretty loss. It's a loss where you're down 3 nothing for a large portion of the game, and then two minutes left in the third, you want to come and you want to score two quick goals and ever get everyone's hopes up. And then at the end, when you eventually lose 4-2, people are on Twitter, well, I'm proud of how they fought back at the end. It shows that they have a lot of fight. No. Why don't you just call it for what it is? The team should have never went down 3 nothing. Playoff teams don't go down 3 nothing and have to storm back at the end as much as we see the Flyers have to do. And they damn sure don't get blown out by divisional opponents as much as the Flyers seem to do. I mean... I'm optimistic from what I've seen them do recently. They have not been nearly as bad as they were for a pretty good stretch stuff. For about a month, they were playing as bad as they could have. But I still see there's every time I see a game like that, I'm not going to be fully pushed on the side of this team can make the playoffs because they do exactly what they did last night. 5-1 to the Rangers. They can't buy a win against the fucking New York Rangers, and it's sickening. And it's going on like years now. They can't beat the Rangers. So I think the last win they had against the Rangers was uh, was the game, game that six? they had to win. To, no, the game that they had to win to get into the uh, playoffs. Oh, in 2010, yeah. 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 Uh, the, the Rangers... I mean, they're they're like they're kryptonite to Superman at this point with the Flyers, but look, everyone's riding high kind of right now um, with how they've played. I, you know, look, I am the eternal pessimist. I'm gonna say they're gonna miss the playoffs until, like, mathematically they cannot miss the playoffs. I think they're going to go down to the last possible game of the regular season. They're going to be a bubble team up until that point. And it's because, yeah, they're going to give you stretches of, like, five games. Between now and the end of the season, they may go on, like, a couple of, like, three to five game winning streaks. But they're going to keep coming out with games like last night, with games like the Penguins, with these games that we've seen Dave Haxtall coach teams come out with, where they are flatter than the ice that they're playing on. And it's going to frustrate the hell out of us. We're going to rip our hair out, our hairs out. But I will not be as disappointed as I think a lot will if they miss the playoffs. Because I don't expect it. I do not expect the playoffs. I went into the season not expecting it. So I will not be let down like a lot of people will. They're the perfect team to uh, aggravate this specific fan base. Because Philadelphia sports fans, obviously, we're very bipolar. We're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. I mean, most sports fans are like that. But I, I think that Philadelphia fans, are because of how passionate we are, we're a little more like that. And so this team is like... They lose 10 in a row. They win 10 in a row. They lose 5-1 to one of the Rangers. They get blown out by the Penguins. They blow out the Tampa Bay Lightning. They blow out the Islanders. They blow out the Blues. It's just like up and back and up and back. And I don't look. I don't think there's a lot of Flyers fans who are like definitely think this team's making the playoffs. Um, I like to use um, at theathletic.com Dom Lachizan, one of their experts. Every day he's got a 
a system that like updates the playoff probabilities for for teams so i try and use that just because it's obviously non-biased and right now he's got the flyers at 31 percent to make the playoffs i think that's probably about right um so look i'm not expecting them to make the playoffs i think they could make the playoffs i think there's some things they could do to help make the playoffs we'll get into the we'll get into that a little bit later i think it might finally be time for Ron Hextall to start parting with some of the assets that he has yeah. um, stockpiled over the years balls, Ron. to uh, to help the team, and uh, you know. But it's just it, they're just such a such a perfect team to aggravate this, this fan base. It's, it's 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 hilarious. A lot of what they're doing right now. I mean, a lot of their play is being completely masked by the fact that the football team in this city is making a run in the championship. Because if the Eagles were out of it, I mean, all you have left to watch at that point is the Flyers and the Sixers. And those two sports are very polarizing. You're either a basketball fan or a hockey fan. There's not a lot of, like, crossover. But pretty much everything crosses over with football. So for the time being, while the Eagles are alive, that's just going to mask everything, you know. People have, like, two eyes focused on the Eagles, and then, like, they're kind of looking out of the corner of one at the Flyers just to keep track with what they're doing. So that's why things like last night, unless you're, like, the diehard Flyers fan, like a lot of people are, where they're going to tune into every game and, you know, they're, they're watching on their phone under their desk at work during the night shift or whatever the hell they're doing, unless they're those people, and you really see what this team is doing. And I got to go back... Because what you said about uh, Dave Haxtell, this guy's explanations for why his team plays like shit in some games is more frustrating than the team playing like shit at some times. Like, just come out and say it for what it is. Say your team had a bad game. Say that you guys just played awful. You played down to the opponent. Say something. Don't lie to us. Don't throw your coach cliches, your coach speak at us because we're smarter than that. I don't want to hear bullshit. We didn't have our skating legs. Well, why the hell not, Dave? Isn't that on you, Dave? You're playing a huge division rival in a huge game on the road. What part of that would lead you to not have your skating legs? And it's bullshit explanations like that. That just, everyone wonders why you want to make a coaching change. It's shit like that. I can't, I can't stand that. And it goes back to when they were on the 10-game losing streak and they kept throwing the points at us. Well, dude, you still lost 10 straight games. Yeah, you got your ass saved by the point system of the NHL. How if you tie, or not if you tie, if you make it to overtime, you get a point. But in any normal sport, in any other sport, you wouldn't even be in that situation. A loss is a loss. Dave, he's the most frustrating human being that I think I've dealt with in, like, the last five years when it comes to sports. I think that a lot of fans would be not quite as frustrated with some of these losses and, and the team's position. Like, for example, if Travis Sandheim was in for Brandon Manning. So it looks like, based on practice today, and this is Wednesday, that even though the Flyers got blown out and Brandon Manning got torched on two breakaways, it looks like Manning is probably still going to be in the lineup against the Maple Leafs, which is, I think, like seven out of eight games that Manning will be in and Sandheim out. And that's, like, that's mind-numbing because Travis Sandheim is a better hockey player than Brandon Manning, and his contract is not up at the end of the year like Brandon Manning. Like, Travis Sanheim is going to be with the Flyers for a long time. Brandon Manning's contract is up. There's there's literally no reason for him to be playing over Travis Sanheim. Most people thought that it was only because the team was winning. Well, now they've lost. They're still going to go with Manning, it looks like. Now that may change. And, you know, also, the, the second power play unit, you, he moved Travis Konechny up to the top line. He's playing very well. He's still not on the second power play unit. Like, you've got Yuri Laterra and Brandon Manning on the second power play unit. That's more like a freaking penalty-killing unit. So it's, like, it, it, the, the decisions that this guy is making 
lineup decisions night to night and his in-game lack of any type of management. Like, everyone makes the office space joke with him, like, what exactly is your job here? And when you're watching <laughs> the first period and the Flyers are, you know, they go up one nothing and then they give up three straight goals, call a timeout, Dave. Maybe do something. Like, don't just stand there and not do anything I, I get it that it's not in his demeanor to like yell and scream at the bench that's fine but like try and make an in-game adjustment pull your goalie do something to try and get this game turned around and, and he doesn't do that so it's like you know I I, tw- I I tweeted out yesterday after the game that I I sent out a nice tweet about Dave Hackstall before the game yesterday that he's actually done three good things this season he put Claude Giroux on the left wing and created Sean 1C Couturier. Uh, you know, he, he put Provorov and, and Ghost together, which they've been dominant, and he moved Konechny up to the top line. Those are all good things. And uh, I wanted to give him some credit for that. And they get blown out. The last time I gave him credit was before the Penguins game. We talked about it on the show before the Penguins game. And I was nice to him, and we got blown out. So no more. I'm not being nice about Dave Haxel anymore. It's, you know, and the, the problem is the guy's, you know, likely not going to get fired. He's no, Ron Hextall's guy. So you just sort of have to hope that, that eventually he'll start playing Travis Sandheim. And, and I, it's it's just frustrating. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to last year with the same thing, only a different Travis. Last year was Konechny, this year's Sandheim. He's just going to ride these older guys until they're not there anymore. You saw, I mean, you can't put Pierre... Pierre Edward Belmar and Chris Vandevelli in the lineup if they're not on the team. So he's probably going to keep doing this all year. And then next year, when he's back again and Brandon Manning's not around anymore, then he'll play Sandheim. I mean, th- th- this is just who this guy is. You're absolutely right with his lack of in game adjustment, his lack of just overall emotion. I don't know how. Look, I, don't, I get some people just, you know. They're even keel guys. They're you know you, you have an even keel coach. You have the fiery coach. I personally would like a John Tortorella type that wants to take off a guy's helmet and beat his head in with it. But I don't know how you could watch your team come out like they did against the Rangers and just stand there and look like everything's fine when really it's like the whole world should be coming to the to an end in like to you. And time and time again, we see these games where the team's not having it. They just don't have it. And the goalie's getting his ass kicked. The goalie's every letting every possible thing in. And first period ends, same goalie comes out. Let's in five goals. Third period, like, he, he does it. He just rides the same goal. Like, you have to do something. You're absolutely right. You said it. I'll repeat it. You have to do something to spark the team. If it means a goalie change, if it means switching up the lines, I don't know, but he doesn't do it. It's like he just goes in with his with his sheet, with his lineup, and says, this is what we're doing, we're sticking to it, whether it works or it doesn't. This is the plan, guys, and that's just it. Either make it work or don't. If not, we'll try again next time. Yeah, but I don't. It's uh, yeah, I know. It's and look, um, the way to not be frustrated or to not be disappointed by Dave Haxall is to not ever say anything nice about him. This is a lesson learned for you now. Yeah, no, I know. It's uh, it's it's a good lesson. It took me two times to figure it out, but. You know, although part of it is whenever I say something nice, they get blown out. So I think, yeah. you know, I'm a little worried that's going to happen, too. I but mean, it's, it, it's like the girl that, you know, finds the bad boy and just keeps thinking she can change him, but he just keeps cheating on her. And eventually she learns that that's just not what she should do. She should move on and better her efforts somewhere else. So now you just have to say nice things about somebody else and not Dave Haxtell because he's going to keep breaking your heart. I guess I should probably start saying nice things about my girlfriend. That would probably that would be more productive for me than Dave Haxtell. and also maybe the cat, although he doesn't really listen to me. But <laughs> those would be two options for me. Um, you know, I also here if the Flyers make the playoffs. No, I can't because if they make the playoffs and I say something nice about him, then they'll probably get blown out in the first round. So 
how about this? If the Flyers make the playoffs, then after the playoff run, maybe I'll say something nice about them. Because I think by the time next season rolls around, maybe the, the negative karma will have evaporated or something like that. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't look. It, it really it pisses me off that we're going to have to deal with him again next year. But Probably. You never know. If they don't make the playoffs and things are kind of a disaster, you know. He had an interesting comment in um, Dave Isaac's article today because Isaac had asked him about Sandheim, and he uh, he asked Dave Isaac if uh, Dave Isaac asked him if Sandheim would be better served playing in the AHL as opposed to sitting. And Hackstall's comment was, "That's not my decision to make," which is not a ringing endorsement of Travis Sandheim no. and ha- what what Dave Hackstall thinks about him. So, God, I hate it. So. Let's move on to brighter, brighter things. Greener pastures here on the show, and um, you are—you have a knack for becoming best friends with, uh, uh, you know, higher ups in this world, higher ups with this organization, namely the number one. Pro- I mean, okay, maybe the one A prospect the number one forward prospect for the Flyers. Let's put it that way. Morgan Frost. You guys are buddies now. You go out for steak and whiskey, even though he's not old enough to drink legally yet. You're committing a fel- a crime, but it's all for the it's all for the betterment of uh your Phileas Flyer articles. Yeah, you know, I've uh obviously people who follow me on Twitter at dsilver88 know that I tweet about prospects a lot and so this season there's been a lot of tweeting about Morgan Frost and I wrote an extremely long article about Morgan Frost at philliusflyer.com with lots of videos you know this and this guy is absolutely torching the Ontario Hockey League as an 18 year old Mm -hmm. so some of the things that he's doing are incredible he's leading the league he's got 71 points in 44 games I think his closest competitor has got like 63 points He's plus 50. His team's 37-3-3. The guy's got a 20-game scoring streak. So he's he's been tearing it up. And uh, I thought it, it would be interesting to see if I could get an interview with him. So I reached out to the director of media relations for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And he was nice enough to uh, set up an interview for me with Morgan Frost, where I was able to get some answers on uh, some questions from Morgan. And so that article's up at philliusflyer.com. It's uh, one of the top articles up there right now. I, I uh, had five questions from Morgan Frost that uh, that he answered. A few things that I thought were interesting. I uh, asked him how he described his playing style. And he said, uh, he said he thinks first and foremost, he's definitely a playmaker, a pass-first player to create space for his teammates, my biggest strength, in my opinion, is my vision and ability to anticipate plays. I need to get a lot stronger and work on my shot. Yeah, that so, fired me up. That's what I. Yeah, so exactly what I needed to hear. Another guy yeah, well, that can't shoot. Here's the thing, though. He can shoot. So if you watch his highlights this season, he's think of Claude Giroux from the left faceoff circle taking those slap shot one-timers. Mm-hmm. So Morgan Frost this season has scored a ton of goals from the right face-off circle, the opposite face-off circle that Giroux does, on one-timers. And unlike Giroux, they're like compact, accurate one-timers. So he actually, I think his shot's been really good this season. And he's saying he needs to improve it, which obviously is great, but he already has a better shot than Travis Konechny, for example. Like, you see Morgan Frost bury goals on the power play from the right face-off circle. So I wouldn't be too concerned about his shot, but um, he's got a lot of goals this season, too. But, uh, but it was, I mean, it's, you know, I think he just comes off as very intelligent when you, when you read what he says. Uh, the one issue I have is that he hasn't had a cheesesteak yet. I saw that. So, you know, he's got he's to gotta rectify that. I figured maybe when he was in town for development camp over the summer. But, you know, I can understand maybe he didn't get to downtown Philly. It was at Voorhees. But yeah. this coming summer, Morgan, you got to go get a cheesesteak. And, well, um, He'll have one on us. He'll have one on the Phillies Flyer crew and the getting Perfect. bullied guys. We'll take him out. We'll take him down to John's Roast Pork on Snyder Avenue, and he'll love it. Okay, John's Roast Pork. I've never been there. 
That so that'll be a first for me too. It's arguably the best cheesesteak in the city. It's literally okay. like a shack of a of an establishment right there on Snyder Avenue down by the Lowe's. Like right outside of the Lowe's. And uh I like it. It's a lot of people say it's the best. I'll uh I don't know if I vouch for that yet. It's up there. It's in my top three for sure. But uh, it's take... near Col- Columbus Boulevard, near the river. Yes, yes, all day, all right there. Okay. You know, you know, you're all the way down yeah. in D.C. You still know. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm coming up tomorrow for the uh, Lindros game. Maybe I'll try and stop by there with Dad. We'll see. Uh, you better get there early. Oh uh, yeah, probably. You're right. The line, the line's incredible over there. Okay. Good stuff. No whiz. Are you a whiz man? No, I'm not. My girlfriend's a whiz, whiz lady. I love uh, pro- provolone. Give me oh, some yeah. provolone. I I mainly go with the whiz, but um, my substitute is provolone. So when I go to like a place like John's that doesn't partake in the whiz, I have to go with the provolone. All right, and I can respect that. Yeah, I mean it's it's good, and you always get you're uh, you must be an onion man. Oh my god, of course. All right, good. Give me some sauteed onions. I. You know, my favorite place is I'm a traditionalist. I like gyms on South Street, mm. and I get it a uh, provolone with. Yeah. Um. Actually, I, I I'm big into Oregon steaks on Townsend Oregon. That is okay. That's, that's probably my favorite. A big help for me is that they accept debit card because I never have cash. Yeah, you young folks, you never have cash. I've noticed this. I don't I don't see the the necessity and I get very pissed off when you go to a place and they don't have um they don't accept debit card. It's 2018. How do you not accept debit card? Well, there's a lot of mob-run Italian restaurants that I used to go to when I lived in New York that don't accept credit cards and if you yelled at them about that, you'd probably end up in the back room with uh, Gino. Oh, all right. <laughs> Not Gino, Gino Steaks Gino. No, a different Gino. A more scary Maybe, yeah. Gino. But definitely. Right. So, back to Morgan Frost. Let's get this back on track. Um, I I can't help but wonder, and ass- like not assume, but I think it's a, a good shot that he makes the Flyers next year as a 19-year-old. Um. <sighs> That scares me a bit because of who the head coach is. Because I'm looking here at um, Travis Konechny's numbers. His last year in the OHL with Sarnia. 23 goals, 33 assists. Morgan Frost has already, to this point, in 42 games, has already bested both of those totals. But no, you're you're not looking at you got to look at because uh, he also played. Oh, for is this is a combined year. Ottawa, yeah. Oh he played for yeah. The Ottawa '67. So he actually he had uh, I think he had like 101 points. His yeah yeah he had the same, he, yeah. he had 30 goals. Yeah, I didn't see the Ottawa part. Yeah, he had 30 goals and 71 assists. So the interesting thing is Konechny, his 18 year old season, he averaged 1.67 points a game. And this year, Morgan Frost, his 18-year-old season, he's currently at 1.68. So they're pretty much the same exact points per game right. uh, in juniors as an 18-year-old. But Morgan Frost is now playing on the best line in junior hockey because his team traded for Taylor Radish, who's very good. So now he's playing – he's basically playing between two of the best goal scorers in the OHL in Boris Kachuk, who's Canadian. I feel like if you have a name like Boris, you should be – Russian, but yeah, Boris yeah, Kachuk is Canadian, and Taylor Radish is Canadian. They're both really good goal scorers. They were both in the World Juniors, so Morgan he's. Frost I think is also Canadian. Yep, I think he's. Uh, I think he's probably going to average two points a game from here on out. So people are saying, oh well, he's he averaged. You know, he's going to be more than Travis Konechny, so he'll probably make the team. Whereas guys like Bill Meltzer, who I really respect, he seems to think that Frost is not going to make the team next year. You know, look, they're. The Flyers, Phil Pula, they're probably going to let go. And assuming Nolan Patrick's the, the second-line center next year, they'll need a third-line center if Scott Lawton isn't it. And so Morgan Frost could slide in there, but uh, Mikhail Vorobiev could slide in there too. I, You know, they 
if if Frost bulks up over the summer and really blows the doors off at training camp, I think there's a decent shot he makes the team. But I think it's also possible that that they send him back to the OHL for one more season. It's it'll be interesting. But look, if he leads the entire league in scoring, which he's doing now, his team wins the Memorial Cup, um, and he does everything right over the summer and in training camp. I think there's a decent chance he makes the team. Well, see that. That concerns the hell out of me because I don't want to see him. I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather him spend another year in the OHL than come up here next year with the Flyers and, you know, be on Dave Haxtell's personal yo-yo that he had Travis Konechny on last year, that he has Travis Sanheim on this year where it's like, I'll put you in for a couple of games and then I'm taking you out for two weeks. I'd I'd rather him just stay down there and bulk up and get regular playing time to better his skills, whatever he thinks he needs work on, his shot or whatever, better it in actual gameplay and not simulated situations in practice, albeit with NHL players it would be. But I would rather him just get actual game situation, you know, keep his endurance and everything else up down in the OHL, refine his skills, and then come up in two years as a 20-year-old with – you know, however much muscle he gets to put on or whatever in that time. Because I'm tired of seeing these guys come up here that we're so excited about and we get a little taste and then we ultimately just get our balls broken and get frustrated because these guys aren't in the lineup as much as we want them to be. Yeah, I don't know. I still, if he earns a spot on the team, I'd still rather see him on the Flyers just because he could, you know, potentially help them out. But I, it's look, we're going to have that issue, I feel like, as long as Hackstall's here. It seems like he – and look, this year, Travis Konechny, I don't think he's scratched him at all, right? So right. it's it's almost like there's like a year adjustment period where Dave Hackstall – like I had this professor at Northwestern where basically no matter – you could have been William Shakespeare and your first paper, he would have given you a D plus because he felt like – in his mind, he needed everyone to be further along at the end of the class than they were at the beginning, and he did that by giving people shitty grades at the beginning. So I feel like Dave Haxtell, in his mind, is like, "Oh, I got this rookie," and unless you're freaking Ivan Provorov, you're not. You're you're going to get sat. You're going to be in the press box. Although, of course, I guess Robert Haig hasn't been in the press box, so maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he just does that to offensive talented guys like connect me and travis sandheim and he he likes the boring safe guys so who knows but i'd still rather have morgan frost on the team if he deserves to be and then we're just gonna have to deal with this clown benching these guys who shouldn't be benched so that he can teach them the way that he thinks they need to be taught i think dave haxtell knows what the rest of us know in that uh Ivan Provorov is a Russian cyborg, and he is afraid of what may happen if he doesn't get the proper playing time that the Russians believe their project should get. Could start a nuclear war. Could. I mean, hell, we saw what happened almost, not really, to Hawaii, so I guess anything's possible at this point. It, It is amazing to me that a team, a franchise like the Flyers, that were so against the Russians for so long has literally made a Russian the cornerstone piece of what they hope to be a Stanley Cup team in the next few years. It's and they've amazing. got more coming up. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's amazing the things that happen when you know the Flyers are like ten years too late on a lot of the shit that goes on around here. So yeah, I'm glad they finally jumped on board with like, hey, Russians can play hockey. It's not the Red Army team anymore. Yeah, and uh, one so one of my things with uh, you know, I love Mikhail Vorobiev, but apparently all these tweets from the Phantoms like announcer is that he's now changed his name to Misha Misha Vorobiev. I don't know if we talked what? about this. I kind of have an issue with this now. Look, I think Misha is like the shorthand for Mikhail, but I just it, Misha sounds kind of like a soft player to me. But he, it sounds like I don't a know female. You, I exactly you the so the show the Americans. I don't know if you ever watched it. It's a great TV show. But the main character, his Russian name is Misha. So that's what it reminds me of. Whenever I see Misha Vorobiev, I'm thinking, why is the guy from the Americans playing hockey <laughs> for the fans? But 
so yeah, they've got Vorobiev, they've got German Rupsov, they've got obviously Provorov. So they're, um, you know, I think maybe they're hoping that if uh, we do start a war with the Russians or something, maybe because the Flyers have all these Russian players, they'll take it easy on it. I, I don't know. Um, Misha, to me, now that I'm on this, it sounds a lot like a Russian stripper. Like, obviously, the female kind. I also think immediately to uh, Misha Johnson, who is a news personality here in Philly on CBS3. Very attractive. Very good looking. Um, I cannot get behind my hockey player being named Misha. I know. I'm, I got to call him Mikhail. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick to that. Like, why not Mike? Yeah, like, Mike Mike could work. You know, first he changed the spelling of his last name, Vorobiev. It was used to be Vorobiev with an O Y O V, and then he changed it to Y E V. So I think he just this? got a lot of issues. I have no idea. I think he just got a lot of issues with um, his name that he maybe, seems to change around a lot. Maybe it's like like Cuban baseball players. They lie about their age so they could like get out of Cuba and come to the major leagues so they'll be like 13 years old say and they're 18 like maybe he just doesn't have a true identity he he is I mean we all think that Russians are spies so maybe he's just like you know what I don't like this name that they picked uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it what are they gonna do blow my yeah, I cover could, I think it might be very likely yeah, blow up. They're they're not gonna blow up the whole operation because he changed three letters of his name. So they just let it. They just go. There was a F- Eagles player, Trey Thomas, that changed his name like three times during the course of his career. First he was Trey, then he was William, then he went back to Trey. It's very confusing. Very confusing. So, um, you're down in D.C., but coming up uh, for a very, very special event. It's, um, unfortunately, I was not around. Well, I was around, but my brain hadn't fully developed to the game of hockey in the heyday of, uh, number 88, Eric Lindros. You were around for all of it. You remember all of it. So, tomorrow, his number 88 finally, rightfully, goes on the rafters. The Flyers have a bit of a thing. They don't really like, it seems, they don't really like to uh, retire numbers of guys not in the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Lindros goes in, his number goes up. So what What does Eric Lindros, the player, mean to you, and, and how fulfilling will it be for you tomorrow to see the, uh, the whole ceremony go down? Yeah, I'm going to be emotional. I'm not going to lie. Like, it... This is I'm more excited to see Eric Lindros get inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame and see his jersey go up to the rafters and retire his jersey than I've been for uh, for any Flyers game in a long time. I mean, I was this is the summer of '92, I think, that they traded for him, and it was, I was a born. huge. He were born that summer. A lot of things happened that summer. Yeah, it was and a big summer. The Flyers had not been very good, and they, you know, it was crazy because. For folks that, you know, some of the younger people that are listening, the, it, on draft day, the Flyers, and Lindros had been drafted the year before, 91, by the Nordiques, but he refused to play for them. So he sat out for a year, and next year at the draft, literally at the same time, the, I think it was like the GM of the Nordiques traded him to the Flyers at the same time that the owner of the Nordiques traded him to the Rangers. So there were two separate trades in place to the Nordiques to get Eric Lindros. They had to go to an independent arbitrator and I think Larry Bertuzzi or something like that, or Bortolozzi. And so the independent contractor made this announcement over the summer. It was very dramatic that the flyers had gotten Lindros and the whole city was just so excited. He's a man child. I mean, he, his combination of speed size and skill is unlike anything that I've really ever seen in a hockey player before or after him because he would just run over people he was a bull in a china shop and he scored he only played in 61 games his rookie year but he scored 41 goals think about he's 41 goals in 61 games as a 19 year old in the nhl now granted goal scoring was up a lot that year that was the same year that uh timu solani as a rookie 
scored 76 goals. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And that didn't even lead the league. It was tied with Alexander McGill. But Lindros was just an absolute beast. Um, you know, he won MVP uh, the the lockout shortened season in 94-95. He won MVP. And I'll never forget him going up to the podium, and he just started crying. And he was saying, you know, the fans of Philadelphia were not there yet, but we're going to do it. And he, it was so emotional. And then, of course, the concussion started. He, the, the style that he played, it was probably just a matter of time before someone lined him up. And Darius Kasparaitis lined him up um, and got him his first concussion. And then, of course, the, the Scott Stevens stuff happened. And then there were the issues with Lindros's parents and Bobby Clark. And, you know, the, it was just a huge issue with, um, you know, with, with Lindros and the organization and him and Bobby Clark didn't get along. So people thought, and it, it was just quite an estranged relationship. And so for that reason, I think it probably took longer than it should have for the Flyers to retire his number, but I'm so happy that it's happening. And I just think it's going to be, it's going to, it, the building's going to be so loud to see this guy who made such a difference to Flyers fans. I mean, he, he, introduced a lot of young Flyers fans into the sport of hockey. A lot of young Philadelphians became Flyers fans because of Eric Lindros. And he was, uh, he's the most dominant player I've ever seen. And I'm, uh, I just, I don't know. I'm so excited to see this guy on Thursday night, give a speech and the Jersey go up. And I'm definitely, there's, there'll be some tears in my eyes. No doubt. I'm real. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I think like obvious with the connection you have, with Eric Lindros is it's something that's so special. It's so great about sports. Um, I was, um, when they inducted him and LeClaire into the Flyers hall of fame, I happened to have partial season tickets that year. And I took my dad because I thought of the people that I know my dad, like I remember, I remember John LeClaire because he played, uh, more into the 2000s as a flyer than Lindros did. And that's when I really started getting into hockey. But my dad was there for all of it. You know, my dad's however old he is. You know, he's he was there. I remember him telling me stories. Like I said, I was born the summer of 92. I was born June 23rd, 92. The draft happened. The trades went down on June 20th. So my dad told me stories of being in the hospital and like while he's like tending to my mom and me simultaneously like one eye on the TV because that's like all that anybody was talking about was will the Flyers get this transcendent next level player like he was billed as the next big thing in the sport of hockey and he really was. He was he was as billed. If you look at the numbers, if you watch even one game of Eric Lindros, you're like, damn, this guy was everything they that he was supposed to be. And then it just kind of hit a wall. And I don't think a player like Eric, he definitely wouldn't, at least I don't think so. I don't think the game that he played would, uh, it would play as well in this day and age because he was so physical because he was just so strong and he could just out muscle people and throw a guy aside. I just think that everything is so tightly called now with the way the game is just played. I don't think that his skills and his size would translate into this day's NHL, but for when he played it was great, and I've watched games. I've went back and I've watched games because I couldn't, you know, I, you're not going to not watch one of the greatest Flyers ever. You know, you're not just going to not watch any of his games. So I've gone back and I've watched a lot of games with Eric Lindros in it, and even, like, years later, when I know he's long since retired, I'm still in awe of, of, of just the player that he was, and as a fan, I'm just disappointed for what he 
what he where he was supposed to bring the Flyers organization and how it ended. And I'll never forget the first game he came back to the uh, what what was then the first Union Center after the trade that sent him to the Rangers. I'll never forget that game because I was so I was a young kid. I'm probably like seven years old, but I was so like infatuated with the whole story and what was going on and I couldn't wait for that game and I'm excited and I'm sure NBC Sports Philly is going to put the whole ceremony on tomorrow and you know I'm obviously not going to be as emotional as you but what what is awesome about sports is that you have that connection with one guy that he, he, he wouldn't be able to pick you out of a lineup gun to his head but just watching him as a kid and seeing what he could do just inspired you so much and it's going to bring you to tears to see everything culminate and everything finally get smoothed over ultimately with the organization. And it reminds me of uh, two summers ago when uh, I went to Ryan Howard's last game as a Philly and, you know... you sit there with my with my dad and my brother, and you're watching the video tributes, and all these memories start coming back of all the good times you had. And watching that game, you know, when he gave his speech at the end of that game, that was emotional. I teared up then. I teared up watching the tribute videos just as you are tomorrow night. And it's going to be a great night. Hopefully the Flyers can pull out the victory for them. And two... All the young fans out there who, you know, whether you're 18, 19, however old you are, if you've never, if you've never seen Eric Lindros play a game, it's 2018. There's videos out there on the internet. Go watch them because it's going to make you regretful that your parents didn't choose to have you like 10 to 15 years sooner than they did. So you could have seen it live. Yeah, it's uh, when if you're gonna watch some Lindros's games, go back and watch some from when the Flyers had already acquired John Leclaire because that yeah. Legion, that the Legion, Legion of, of Doom, Doom, man, the Legion of Doom line with Michael Renberg, Eric Lindros, and John Leclaire is you know the most dominant line that I've ever seen together. And when you know I was watching some interviews today, and Brian Leach was just talking about. Brian Leach, one of the best defensemen of all time, was talking about how miserable it was to play against that line because you there's literally there's nothing you could do to stop them. And it is a shame that the one year that that team got to the Stanley Cup Finals, the Red Wings just had figured everything out and knew how to stop them, and the Flyers got swept out of the Stanley Cup Finals that year because everyone thought that was it. That was, you know, the Flyers are going to win the Cup. Lindros was leading them there, and... Um, you know, after that, things started going downhill with the concussions. But go back and watch some of the games. And, you know, you talk about how you don't think his game would uh, translate to today. It's a tricky it's a tricky statement because, listen, go back and watch some of the games when Bobby Clark was around and, and no one had the size that they, that they did today. So it would be very easy to say, you know what, Bobby Clark's game wouldn't have translated to today. I mean, I think you have to view all these players – in comparison to the other players and time frame that they were in. Um, and, you know, at the time that he was playing and that he was on his game, there was there was nobody more dominant than Lindros. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, he, he, he did a lot for the city. I liked it. You know, he's now working on a lot of um, – he's working on a lot of initiatives with the NHL to try and uh, get more research done on concussions and try and help – teams and players understand ways to recover from concussions and he's he's just doing a lot of good right now and it's uh it just it is it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow night it's gonna be a very emotional night for for sure in philly and also i think maybe he could center the second line so probably we could still we we could yeah we could let philpula um you know let philpula have a rest tomorrow night and uh let's have lindros center the second line wasn't it? Um, I get. I think it was the Winter Classic here when they had it at Citizens Bank Park. I, wasn't there like a rumor floating around that somebody, like, 
tongue-in-cheek, but seriously asked him if he would ever make a return to the game, or am I thinking of something else? Yeah, I think so. I think I read that in one of the uh, the articles I was looking at today. And he was like, yeah, I was just I was surprised, too. Just park his ass in front of the net and fire away. I know. His brother, didn't his brother have his career ended because of a concussion? Yeah, his brother had concussion issues, too. And, um, you know, I think that obviously there's a genetic component to it. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was one of the biggest travesties, if you will, for years, the rift between him and the Flyers organization. Because in all reality, I mean, he's one of the top three to five Flyers ever. Um, and for so many years, there was no communications between organization and player. And then that Winter Classic happened, and you started to see the ties come back together. And, you know, he's never... It's almost like, you know, he's he's probably never going to be the front office guy that's there all the time. You know, he's going to be like Allen Iverson with the Sixers. Uh, you know, they'll bring him back like once a year or something uh, for some ceremony. But it's nice that he's even being brought back because the Flyers are an organization that loves and is completely devoted to anybody that has ever worn their jersey for like two minutes in an NHL game. I mean, if you've worn a jersey ever, you come back once, you get a video. And, you know, finally, Eric Lindros gets his exact just due from the Flyers organization and it's going to be great. I can't wait. You can't wait. Philadelphia can't wait. You're coming all the way from D.C. You're going to deal with whatever bullshit traffic you're going to have to deal with to get here. You're going to travel far and wide to see your childhood idol be immortalized as a flyer. Yeah, going with, going with Pops. And, yeah. Uh, and Good father-son you know, moment. Yeah, when I was in high school, we uh, we had a you know a 12-game package each year to go to the Flyers games and he was into it you know he was never a big hockey fan but I got him into it he's actually got a photo my dad was a he's a doctor and he worked at um, Children's Hospital in uh, downtown Philly uh-huh. and so the Flyers would come down there and visit some of the the, the you know the, the kids who were recovering and uh, my dad's got a photo with Eric Lindros and so he's uh, my dad's like I'm sure he'll remember me so you know he's he's amped he's amped about going to and uh, yeah, great, great father-son moment. So it's it's going to be good. And then ho- hopefully the team can can perform a little better than they did against the Rangers. I mean, nice to get a victory too because it's a freaking big game. Oh yeah, it's huge. But before I before we're we're gonna dive a little bit more, like briefly into the you know the games ahead. But I want to bring it down a a bit somber because you mentioned before we you know went on to the show here that you were there um that playoff game against the Devils when um you know Scott Stevens basically took Lindros's head off so i just you know for people that don't know for the younger fans that don't know exactly what happened just kind of describe the play what you remember and then the overall feel in the building after uh after the hit yeah, you know, that playoff series, so the, the Flyers could never beat the Devils. I mean, the, 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 the Devils were the team that they could never beat in the playoffs. They were the Flyers' nemesis. Claude Lemieux, this was even before the Lindros stuff, so you probably don't remember this, but probably one of the worst goals that was ever scored against the Flyers was series was tied 2-2 against the Devils. I forget what year it was, and Game 5 was back in Philly. It was about. It was going to go to overtime, and Claude Lemieux for the Devils took a harmless shot from the blue line that beat Ron Hextall. And it's probably I don't know if you've seen that goal, but go back and look at mm-hmm. Claude Lemieux goal against Hextall, and the Devils won Game Five, and then they won the series, and then they won the Stanley Cup. I think they won the Cup that year. They might have lost to the Red Wings, but anyway, we could never beat them. So we're playing that series against the Devils and the Flyers. Um, Lose the first game, and it's, oh, my God, here we go again. We've got home ice advantage. The Devils blow us out in the first game. 
And uh, and then the Flyers miraculously win three games in a row. And Lindros was out, right? He he'd been out with the concussion. The team was playing great. Game. So everyone's like, oh, we're up three to one. There's no way we can blow this series. And they come back to Philly for game five. The Flyers get blown out. Or maybe not blown out, but they didn't play very well. I think Scott Niedermeyer scored a goal early in the game. And we ended up losing that game. So now we're going back to New Jersey for game six. Everyone's getting a little nervous. And they announced that Lindros is coming back. At the time, I thought it was a terrible idea because the team had been playing very well without Lindros. And I just had a feeling that he was going to come back and all of the rest of the team was going to kind of then look at him as, okay, our guy's back. He's going to lead us to victory. So sure enough, game six, Lindros was the only player that really played well. We lost at a two-to-one. Lindros is the only flyer that scored a goal. Now we've lost two in a row. We're coming back to Philadelphia for game seven. Everyone is super nervous. And in the game, game seven in Philly, I think it was either maybe 1-1 at the time, or I, I don't know what the score was, but Lindros is skating up the ice. And you'd think at this point he'd keep his head up, especially in a game like, like that. But he's skating through the neutral zone. He enters the devil's zone. His head's down, and Scott Stevens steps up and just destroys him. Lindros is down on the ice. He's basically writhing in pain. And the, the whole place, it's the quietest I've ever heard in an arena. You literally could have heard a pin drop in that arena. It was so quiet. It went from being excited to nothing. Then they lose the game. I think Patrick Eliash, who always beat the Devil, or always beat the Flyers, scored the game-winning goal. I, n- neither my dad nor me said a word on the way home from the game. It was... Um, I mean, it was, like, horrible. I've n- I'll never forget that game. And, unfortunately, my two lasting memories from Flyers games are that game and the uh, being at the Patrick Kane overtime game. So I'm still waiting for this team to win a Stanley Cup, hopefully, with where I'm there, and that can erase some of the memories of, uh, um, of, of some of these games. But, yeah, that, that Lindros-Scott Stevens game seven was that – was, that was bad. You paint, you paint quite the picture. I felt like I was there. That was good. Went it was bad. Way. Yeah, I mean, it was good what you said, painting the picture. It was bad overall memory. And you you were there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You were there when the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. I was. So you're done, right? You're not allowed no, to go to I, the you're not allowed to well, go to big gotta, games anymore. You gotta keep in mind that I I go to pretty much all the big games. So I've been at some of the the big games that we've won. It's just the, the franchise hasn't won as many big games, you right. know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I live in DC and I still have season tickets. So um, go. it's stupidity or, or what, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't miss big flyers games. I've got a pact with one of my buddies who also is affiliateflyers.com. Uh, my, my buddy, Mark, where no matter where it is, if they have a chance to win the Stanley cup, we're going to be there. So Love it. Hopefully it's not against uh, the Vancouver Canucks in the seven-game series because there'd be a lot of flying back and forth. But, no, I'll, I'm going to be there. So, All right. I'll, that's that's exciting. Well, um, I mean, have fun tomorrow, obviously. But now here's the, uh, the point in the show where we look ahead. Coming off of the 5-1 beatdown from the New York Rangers. The Flyers, till next Friday, have Toronto, the aforementioned Devils, the Capitals, son of a bitch. The Capitals on Sunday at 1230. I'll be there. Will you? Yeah, it's in D.C. It is, yeah. uh, Yeah, I'll be at that game, too. So Toronto tomorrow, uh, the Devils Saturday then again Sunday, Capitals, um, Detroit on t- next Tuesday, and then uh, that noise match. you just made. Have you seen Silence in the Lambs? Yes. The noise you just made is just like Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Nice. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> nice. It rubs a uh, different one, right? <laughs> Buffalo what? Bill. Uh, yeah, Buffalo Bill was the villain in the Silence of the Lambs. Right, right, right. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Yeah. All right. 
wrap it up with the dough with the lightning next Thursday. So, um, how many are we picking here? How many games are you gonna have? Or are you four? Toronto, okay. Toronto and the Devils at home. I'm sorry, five. Toronto and the Devils okay. at home. Washington and Detroit on the road, and then back home against the Lightning. You go first. All right. They can't lose on Eric Lindros jersey retirement light night. Um, no, but someone's so, going to get a concussion. Yeah, God, stop. So I'm going to say that uh, I'll say the Flyers beat the Maple Leafs by a score of four to two. Okay. So then we got the Devils on Saturday afternoon at home. I hate the Devils. I think um, I think the Flyers win that game. I think they, they play well. I think they win that game. You know what? No, I'm going to – let's say they lose that game to the Devils because they always do the opposite of what I think. I think they're going to lose to the Devils by a 3-1 uh, to one score. Then I think they beat the Capitals because they're not supposed to. I think they beat the Capitals – four to three in overtime the red wings i think they'll beat the red wings i think they'll beat the red wings four to two and then i i don't think they're going to beat the lightning they already beat them once this season i don't think they're going to beat them again yeah. and i think uh i think we'll lose to the lightning you know probably something like like four to two mm-hmm. all right um yeah there's no possible way that you'll lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs. By the way, they should have put this jersey retirement on a on a night that was like playing a better opponent, like a more memorable opponent, like a like a Rangers Devils something like that. Devils, you bring back Scott Stevens. They meet in the spot of the hit, shake hands, done. I should be working for the team, but. They're not going to lose to the Maple Leafs. I'll say let's go with an overtime win against the Maple Leafs, 3-2. Um, yeah, the Devils are playing good. I think they're going to have that, like, Saturday afternoon letdown game, and they're going to lose bad to the Devils, 4-1. Um, yeah, I don't like them against Washington either. I'll say give me – 4-2 against Washington. Detroit, it's amazing how far Detroit has fallen off from where they have been in the past. I think they'll beat them in Detroit at the Little Caesars Arena or Little Caesars Center, whatever's going on out there. Um, 2-1 against Detroit, and then I think they're going to get smoked by uh, Tampa Bay. Like That's going to be another Rangers situation. I'm saying like Five one six two something like that. So not, not an awesome outcome that I have over the next five games for the Flyers. But so, um, but the real prediction, the big prediction of the week of the year that everybody wants, everybody's got to know, everybody has an opinion. Dan Silver, Sunday night. 640, South Philadelphia, the NFC championship game. Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, who do you got? Uh, You're going to hate me. but uh... No, don't. I'll end it. I'll end it. (laughs) All right. I'll take the Eagles. No, give your real opinion. Just say it. I I don't. Listen. I, I made money on the Eagles against the Falcons last week. I couldn't believe that the Falcons were favored. I thought the Eagles matched up very well against the Falcons. They tried to blow it by, you know, having every single running back fumble on their first carry of the game. Yeah. I don't know. that The, the Vikings, to me, the Vikings are the exact same team as the Eagles, except that they're a little bit better at being that without the Eagles having Carson Wentz. And they've – they're I mean – after that ridiculous play last week to end the game, and that was like the most insane final play that I've ever seen in an NFL game, I just I don't have a great feeling about it. So I I, I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I think the Eagles are going to lose to the Vikings. But um, I don't know. What do you honestly think? Well, I was there 
last week. Wow. And can honestly say, like, as loud as it seemed on TV, because I've watched replays of the game, it was absolutely deafening in the link last Sunday. And I will again be in attendance on Sunday night. And I do not, under any circumstances, plan on attending a loss. Because, look, the home field advantage, is it's, it's such a big deal in football, especially when you can get it as loud as the Eagles fans did last week and will this Sunday. I tr- Look, you're right. These teams are so evenly matched, it's scary. The one where the Vikings are, like, where they uh, are beneficial to them is, yeah, they're playing with a career backup quarterback, but he's played with their receivers all year, not so much the Eagles. It's going to be a low-scoring defensive battle. I think it's going to be the Eagles 13, the Vikings 10. The Eagles will be in the Super Bowl two weeks from Sunday. And that's it. I love it. I I love it, too. I have the dog mask ready. I got them Sunday before they sold out the first time. It's going to be a party down there. It's going to be a party down there after. Not going to work on Monday. Calling out immediately. And that's, this is what you do. This is what we do as sports fans. We throw aside real world obligations for the sake of the team. (laughs) I'm fired. I'm excited for an awesome day of sports on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be great. Caps game and then the Eagles game. It's uh, nah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'll be down there tailgating with the TV, flipping back and forth between the Flyers and the AFC Championship to see who the Eagles are going to be playing in the Super Bowl. Probably the Patriots. Rematch from 05. That's all right. It's maybe all we good. can bring – maybe Don McNabb would come back and ceremonially oh, no. throw up on the field. That would Look. be great though, right? Donovan McNabb needs to stay as far away from the Eagles as possible. He's not marketable right now either because of the whole sexual harassment Sexual harassment, thing. I know. Yeah, so he's a pig. Fuck him. All right. Enough of, enough of the football talk. That's not why people listen to this, but the Eagles will win, and everyone knows it. Maybe not. But Dan Silver, give your shameless plug so everyone can see the selfies of you and Morgan Frost when you guys vacation together now that you're best buds. So you can follow me on Twitter at DSilver88. Lots of prospect news, lots of Flyers takes on there. And uh, you can check out my articles. I just recently put out an updated Flyers Top 15 Prospects article along with some Morgan Frost articles. And you can see those along with all of my colleagues' articles at www.phillyisflyer.com. We got a lot of great stuff there. We got another Dan, uh, Dan the Flyers fan on Twitter. He does our post-game recaps. Uh, we got lots of great content there. And so check us out at www.phillyisflyer.com. All right. He's right. A lot of great content there. Read it every day, share it every day, share it often. But as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkFlagMan, two ends. There is um, takes of all kinds on there with all sports, mostly me bitching about things in sports. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. Um, that will be your flyer-centric tweets by yours truly with, um, you know, I'll try to keep it positive there. Try to keep it positive vibes. But as, uh, that's it. Until next time, let's go Flyers. Let's go Eagles.